0: So you should be following somebody else, or you should be discipling and mentoring somebody in the pattern they should follow. Welcome everyone to the Salty Pastor. I am Dr. Douglas Peake, and I am so glad to be here with you, hopefully inspiring and encouraging you to know what you believe and why you believe it. Our goal is to give you the tools, not only the uh, truth of the scripture, but also the tools on how to understand it for yourself, and then weave it into the clarification of your own values, your own beliefs. And how God wants to move through you and in you. That's what the Salty Pastor is all about. Because what you believe is one of the most important things about you. Now, we're currently in a series called At the Movies. And throughout this summer series, we are taking different movies. And we are seeing how the stories being told not only resonate with so many people, but also point to some pretty significant biblical principles. Now, the movie that, uh, is going to be talked about this week is the original Top Gun. Now, this summer, the sequel comes out. It's about 25, 30 years later than the original. And it's been a blockbuster. It's been a lot bigger than anyone anticipated. It's a huge hit, but this coming Sunday, we're going to dig into Top Gun, the original, when Tom Cruise was only 24 years old when he made it. Now, the ultimate theme in the story of Top Gun is personal growth. It's about how a young man has a cr- skill at flying, but he is uh, dangerous with it. He is undisciplined and uncontrolled in a way. What he's doing is he's using his gift. of his capacity to fly to, uh, further his own personal self, he's trying to work out his demons. He's trying to prove it for himself. He's trying to get the glory himself. So he does a lot of over the top and over the edge things in the end though, He learns how to grow and instead of being a danger to those around him, he becomes dangerous to the enemy. So it's about how to grow personally. And one of the ways in which he does this is he goes to, uh, the best fighter pilot training course in the world. Uh, they call it top gun. And while he's there, he sees and discovers a mentor and he is played by Tom Skerritt. He is the leader of Top Gun and he has an affection for Tom Cruise's character Maverick, uh, Pete Mitchell, because he actually flew with his father in Vietnam and knows the true story of how his father died. And so it's this mentoring relationship that really helps Pete Mitchell or Tom Cruise grow into the person he was meant to become. Now, that's going to be the theme on Sunday, and that is never leave your wingman. And basically what this means is everybody needs a wingman. Everybody needs a mentor or a discipler to help them grow. People with mentors have greater success at anything they do. This has been shown through research to be true over and over again. People with mentors are more successful than anybody else without one. Number two is when you think about it, don't you wish you had a mentor? Don't you wish you had a mentor for all the really big things in life? Don't you wish you had a mentor uh, to help you understand how to get married? Uh, I remember a couple many, many years ago who had been dating. uh, They came to me because they wanted to get married and they were in premarital counseling. And on the first meeting, I always ask, well, how did you meet each other? What's your story? They've been dating over six years. And I said, wow, wow. That took a long time. What took so long? And they said, well, when we started out dating, we didn't have any good models and we were toxic. And so we had to find some good mentors to show us how to have a healthy relationship. And since we've grown through that and figured that out, we think we're ready now to get married. How insightful for that young couple. You know, to see them to be able to grow because they picked mentors on how to be married. Uh, What about parenting? I remember how difficult and stressed out I was about becoming a parent for the first time. And one of the things that really helped me is I started reading John Rosemond. And he was the contrarian back in the eighties for all of the parenting techniques that were being pushed upon the American populace at the time. And what he said is this, he goes, look, children need structure. Children need to learn that they are not the center of the universe. They need to learn how to, uh, model and grow around the needs of the parents. And so you need to give discipline. You need to give expectations. You need to give structure and routine. And so I was like, wow, this is something that I hadn't heard at all. And so my wife and I really endeavored without those mentors teaching us how to be good parents, I'm not so sure we would have done half as good as we were able to do. What about money management? It's interesting how so many people suffer from poor money management, and yet very few people have mentors or guides in how to manage their money. So, whenever you have a mentor, you're going to experience a greater success at anything you do. Kind of reminds me of a funny story. There was an intern who had gotten a summer internship at a Fortune 100 company uh, in New York City, in Manhattan. And uh, he was going to work one day early in the morning, got on the elevator and the CEO of the entire company got on and he's like, man, this is my one chance. I'll never get another chance to meet the CEO and ask him a question. And so he goes, excuse me, sir, I'm an intern for the summer. Could I ask you a couple questions? And the CEO said, sure. Until we get to the top. And he says, how, he says, um, how have you been able to lead this company so effectively? And the CEO says, well, by making really good decisions. And he goes, hmm. He goes, well, how do you make really good decisions on a consistent basis? And the CEO says, well, through experience. And so the intern thought, well, you know, I'm going to shoot my shot. This is my only chance. He said, so how do you get that experience? And the CEO said, by making bad decisions. You see, Whenever you want to grow and mature, you're going to make decisions and some are good and some are bad And a mentor is the one that helps you make fewer bad decisions and more good decisions. So let's jump into the Bible and see what Paul has to say about this process and why discipleship or a mentor or a wingman is so critically important in your life, we're going to go to chapter three of the book of Philippians. And we're going to start with verse 15 and we're going to go through verses 21. So I'm going to read them. And then we're going to kind of talk about the significance and importance of what it means to have a mentor in your life. Because mentorship and discipleship is all about growing to maturity, making more good Decisions. So verse 15 and 16 says the following, Paul's telling the Philippians this, therefore, all who are mature, let's have this attitude. So he's saying, if you're a mature person in Jesus Christ, you should have this attitude, this way of thinking, this mental framework about the world in which you live and about who you are in Christ. He goes, now, if you have a different attitude, God is going to reveal that to you as well. However, let us keep this attitude. Let's keep living by the same standard to which we have obtained. So people are mature in faith, have an attitudinal responsibility. And you know what that attitudinal responsibility is, is to maintain the same standard that we have attained to. Let's not go backwards. Let's make sure we always go forward. So Paul's main point is that mature people can be joyful people. They can be optimistic people because they have a standard to which they obtained and they don't want to go backwards. And so if you want to live that way, enjoy with increasing higher standard of thinking and living and experience in life. You've got to continually go forward, not go back, maintain the standard you've attained, uh, and then continue on. This requires a mentor, a mature person who can show you how not to go backwards, mature people tend to be very joyful and optimistic people because they maintain their joyful attitude by living to the standard they've already obtained. You know, what's interesting is so many people today can go and do really, really well, and then fall back into old habits, old ways of thinking, old patterns, uh, old narratives about their life, and it pulls them down. You know, I was listening to uh, the testimonies of the actual men in Easy Company during World War II, whose story was captured uh, in a book by Stephen Ambrose called The Band of Brothers. All right. And then it was made into a movie with uh, Steven Spielberg as a producer. Uh, it wasn't a movie, it was more like a miniseries, uh, and it was Excellent work. And one of the interesting things is they were talking to the actual men who were in easy, easy company and recording their story And shifty, who is one of the men in easy company, he was considered one of the best shots. Uh, they went to him and in his interview, he said something that was really interesting. He says, you know, when I came back from world war II, I believed we could do anything. He said, I had the confidence that I could accomplish anything. He said, but I've lost that confidence and I miss that. And I think that's really interesting is that we, as people can fall backwards. And that's why we need mentors. We need disciplers to teach us how to maintain this attitudinal standard to which we have grown to. So that is really an important thing. All who are mature should keep living by the same standard to which we have already attained. Don't forget that. Now let's look at the second principle beginning in verse 17. He says this brothers and sisters join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern. You have in us. Now there's some really important words here. He says, follow my example. That is the essence of discipleship is you are following the example of another person. Okay. Uh, the, there's another really, really powerful word in there. He says, walk according to the pattern. So not only am I following this person, I am trying to figure out what are the exact steps? What is the pattern? the process that they followed and how can I walk according to that same process. Later on, Paul writes in his second letter to Timothy, one of the pastoral epistles, chapter two, verse two, he says, and the things that you have heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses Entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So he's saying all the things that I've taught you in the presence of all these witnesses, I want you to find reliable men who can train others also. So he is describing the process, the steps of discipleship. Discipleship is a way of life. It is according to this pattern. And Paul shows us that the way to maintain the joyful attitude that we have obtained already is by walking in this pattern, following somebody else who's gone before us and is encouraging us in that way of life. So find somebody who already knows how to do it. Now, you get mature, you grow by following somebody else's example. There's very, very few people who just can make things up out of thin air, follow it, and have great success. Oftentimes, it's somebody who has coached them, who has encouraged them, who has inspired them, and taught them the steps to take. You know, most people, this is really important to understand, most people who've obtained that, attitudinal uh, standard, people who have grown mature, people who are great mentors and great disciples, they maintain that attitude, not because they haven't had problems, but often because they have lived through some of the most difficult things that you could ever imagine. It's the hard things in life, the anvil of life where they were shaped and formed in their maturity. And so that is really important to understand. You have to find somebody who's gone before you walk this pattern to teach you how to have the same mental acuity and strength, the spiritual tenacity to maintain this attitude of joy and optimism that all who are mature have obtained. So that's really important. Let's move on to verses 18 and 19. Notice what he says next. Now, many walk. Many walk, So he's saying that some people will follow a different pattern. Okay. Listen to what he says. And there's lots of them. He says for many walk of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even as I weep that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame who have their minds set on earthly things. Now here in verse 18 and 19, he says some really important things to help us understand why discipleship is so important. He says, because it is a huge tempter tape, excuse me. It is a huge temptation for us to walk in a pattern that leads us away from Christ and who we are in him back into the world. And that's when we start to live according to our appetites and not our new spiritual identity. When we decide to bring glory in what the bad things we do and the rebellion against God, and then finally he says. They have their mindset on earthly things. So when my mind becomes more enamored with earthly success or earthly things, guess what happens? I can start following a pattern that leads me away from Christ. These people he's talking about are people who had come to know Jesus, but not walk the path of discipleship. They did not uh, uh, maintain the standard to which they had attained in Christ. So they lost the attitude and they ended up losing everything, including their joy. It says their end is their destruction. They flamed out, so to speak. If we don't have a mentor, if someone is not discipling us, encouraging us, leading us and guide us, we can easily set our minds on earthly things. But what mentors do is they help us stay on track. You know, when I was learning to fly, um, a little over a year ago, uh, my family said, look, you've wanted to learn how to fly a plane for a long time. And so they really pushed me to get my private, uh, pilot's license, which I was able to do. But what's really interesting is the process is, can be pretty tough. Cause when you first get with an instructor and you first practice it, uh, study for your knowledge test they scare the living bejeebies out of you. You know, it's like, you know, all these people die. This is where people always die. This is where planes always wreck. This is what happens. If, if you do something dumb, you're going to die. This isn't like a car where if you go off the road, you just get back on the road, you know, this is flying a plane. I mean, they tell you all these horror stories, and everything. So you're really, really scared. And then on top of that, they say, okay, here's a million things that you got to remember in order to fly and not die. It looks like, man, my memory's terrible. I, I can't even remember what to get from the grocery store when my, my, when my wife sends me there, I have to have her text me. You know, can I write down everything in a text and read it before I do it? And they're like, no, you got to do this naturally. And so I was starting to get discouraged, man. It just, I couldn't get it to go. You know, you've got your, your eyes doing one thing, your brain thinking something different, your right hand is doing something different than your left hand, your feet are doing stuff with the rudders. I was all over the map, but I had a really, really good friend. And he uh, has his own pilot's license. He's been flying for gosh, he's got probably between 1500 and 2000 hours of flight time. So he's got a lot of experience and he would talk to me and he would encourage me. He acted like a mentor during the process. And he said, oh, I remember how difficult that is. And he kept saying this to me over and over again. He says, look, it's really nerve wracking. It's very stressful because you don't think you're ever going to get it right. But one day it's like you just fall over a waterfall and everything comes together. And he was so right. One day I just got up there, I'm flying around and I was doing pattern work, meaning take off and land, take off and land or touch and go and land, touch and go and land. And so I was doing that. And it just, everything just clicked. It's like, I was watching my airspeed properly. I was watching, uh, my altitude properly. I was more relaxed than I'd ever been. And I just flew around and I just started landing and taking off. Like it was, I'd done it a million times. And it was like, everything suddenly just clicked. I probably would have given up if I hadn't had a mentor tell me that over and over again. My friends, if you live each day, if you walk each day, all on your own, it's easy to set your mind on earthly things. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to think this isn't working for me. However, you have to remember that an earthly focus always undermines the hope that's within you. An earthly focus always under uh, undermines the attitude of joy that Christ has given you an earthly focus always runs counter to the glory of what God wants to do to you. His immeasurably great power for all of those who believe. So earthly things are a poor deal when it comes to reaping the inheritance of every spiritual blessing in heaven. And yet we tend to put our, Focus on them. That's why a mentor and a discipler is so important. It keeps your eyes where they are meant to be your focus, where it is meant to be. Well, let's keep going. Okay. I'm gonna read verses 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our lowly condition into conformity with his glorious body by the exertion of the power that he has even, that he has even to subject all things to himself. So he says in verse 21, he's going to transform the body of our lowly condition into conformity with his glorious body. So this is the path of faith. This is the path of growth as we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, and he does this by exerting the power that he has even to subject all things to unto himself. Now, people who walk in discipleship are being learned how to affirm this new identity. My citizenship is in heaven. My citizenship is not here on earth. People who walk in discipleship are eager for their savior. They are not only eager to walk with him, but they are eager for him to transform them and conform them into this new person. As I've said many times before, quoting CS Lewis, our authentic or true selves are waiting for us in Jesus Christ. So the more I know Jesus, the more I walk in Christ, the more his power is conforming and transforming me into my authentic self. People who walk in discipleship, the pattern to which we have obtained will experience the exertion of God's power in their lives. My friends, I cannot tell you how many times as a pastor that I have had conversations with people over the last 35 years of full-time ministry where people say, I want to believe in God. I want to hope in God, but it's just not working. What they're saying is I'm not, there's no power in it. It's not working. And what is so fascinating is God is anxious to exert his power within you. But what it requires is that you walk in this new attitude and your eyes are focused on your citizenship in heaven and not on earthly things. So your citizenship is not here. So, in order to walk in the power of Christ and feel the exertion of his power in your life. Then you must walk according to the pattern. Notice what he says up there in verses 15 and 16, where he says, um, we must live by the same standard. I'm sorry. Verse 17, observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. So it's verse 17 where he says that there is a pattern, there's steps that you take. And so endeavor to know those steps, endeavor to submit to those steps, train yourself to walk in the pattern that you have been given. This is why discipleship is so important is because you're finding someone, a really great mentor in your life to show you not only where your citizenship is, but the pattern or steps that you walk in to experience God's transformative power in your life. So let me just leave you with um, a couple things here. Uh, One big point is this, and that is mentoring and discipleship. Is about helping people know who they are. It's like, I, if you're discipling or mentoring somebody, you're, you're not a perfect person, you're never going to be one, but what you can do is you can encourage people and let them embrace the fact, Hey, you're a citizen of heaven. You're not a citizen of earth. Okay. And then you can develop an eager attitude within them about his coming. Not only his second coming, but his vibrant interaction with them each and every day through the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. You see, what we believe about ourselves is one of the most important things about us. If you believe you are a citizen of earth, your life is about earthly things. But if you believe you're a citizen of heaven, your baseline attitude in life is oriented towards pure and authentic joy. So what happens is when you choose the right citizenship focus, your baseline attitude of joy goes up, your hope goes up, your optimism goes up, and then you walk in the pattern in order to experience the exertion of God's power in your own life. The anticipation for what God wants to do in our lives comes from a conviction of what will happen, not what is actually happening. It's what will happen. Therefore, the goal of mentoring is to strengthen a person's conviction of hope. You see, hope is a conviction of things not seen. It says in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And so when you're a, a mentor and you're a disciple, right, you're trying to help people train themselves. You want to train their senses to discern good from evil. Well, is that just a moral thing? Oh, don't do that. It's bad. Oh, this is good things. You should always do that. Or is it train your senses to discern good from evil in the sense that this is a good way of life. This is the pattern in the process that brings about the, the, the exertion of God's power, his transformative power, his uh, favor and blessing, even at times prosperity in my life that's good. Um, that's evil. That's going to, I don't want to walk that path. Cause that destroys me. It undermines me. It depresses me. It creates anxiety in my life. It, it, it brings failure. Um, it's it, it brings about all kinds of undisciplined decisions, uh, a lack of wisdom and foolishness. All of these things are bad and I don't want those in my life. You see, that's why having a mentor is so important because their goal is to help you walk in the goodness of life. And discover what that is. So my question for you is, do you have a mentor? Do you have someone discipling you right now? If you're a a listener to the Salty Pastor and you don't have one, then seek one out. If you're a person who has walked with the Lord for more than 10 or 15 years, I'm telling you right now, you should have someone to disciple. You should be mentoring somebody else. And this is a big challenge because what has happened in American Christianity is we've become an event driven form of faith. And that is, we think that practicing our faith is all about doing events, being at events, participating in events. And then the problem with that is we become consumers of events. We start evaluating the efficacy, strength, power uh, of our faith based on how we emotionally respond to an event, but that's not faith at all. Paul teaches the exact opposite. Do you ever see him once mentioned in these verses going to an event? Never once he talks about how to follow the pattern of those who've come before us. So you should be following somebody else or you should be discipling and mentoring somebody and the pattern they should follow. Do you feel your faith has become a little stale? Do you feel that it's not growing like it should then? If you've been a Christian for more than 10 years and you're experiencing those feelings, then you should be discipling somebody. If you're not discipling somebody, you're cheating yourself. You're cheating that person. You're setting your side on earthly things. And we always end up reaping what we sow. So change that, make a decision and say, I'm going to mentor these people. I can do it. It's not hard. I have rarely heard of a situation where somebody went to somebody else and said, Hey, I'd like to meet with you once a month or once every two weeks or even once a week to pray over you, to encourage you, mentor you in the faith and have that person say, no, I don't want to do that. You see the world is lost today because there's not enough people stepping up in discipling and mentoring others. And it's that maturity that you need because you remember at the end of the movie of the original Top Gun an enemy was coming around to shoot Maverick down and his navigator was yelling at him in the back of the plane saying, he's coming behind. He's going to get a beat on us. He's going to shoot us down. He's going to kill us. You got to do something. You got to do something. But what did Maverick say over and over again, while he was flying next to Iceman, he says, I'm not leaving my wingman. I am not leaving my wingman. You see, he had gone from dangerous to those he flew with. To dangerous to the enemy. And that's what God wants for you. Thank you for this uh joining me on this study of uh the Salty Pastor. I hope it blesses you. And on Thursday, Zach is going to be talking about the movie Top Gun with Jesse and all the practical applications that come from the the principle never leave your wingman. God bless you and blessing. Music